I am claustrophobic, I am underfed and full of urine by now, and Prince is trying to lull me to sleep. Unless he's trying to get me to wet my pants, he might as well just put my fingers in a bowl of warm beer. There's something about you, baby. Happens all the time. Whenever I'm around you, baby. Got a dirty mind. And I'm like, wait a minute. Hey, it's time for the bitterest pill. It's Dan Class. I'm in my garage here under the flight path, you know, at Los Angeles International Airport. I'm a semi-former stay-at-home dad, struggling actor, really struggling comedian, and and I'm a podcaster. I'm a podcaster, which means I sit in my garage uh, here like Robert De Niro in The King of Comedy, talking to myself, pretending I'm on the uh, Jerry Langford show. Uh, I'm in here with my dog. Hopefully he will remain quiet throughout the proceedings. Now, um... So this, uh, this, uh, uh, you know, visit, I think we're pretty much going to, I mean, we'll see how long it takes, but I think we're going to focus on one topic. And that topic is, uh, Prince. Oh, wait, hold on. The phone's ringing. Hold on. Dan, hey, it's Dave Jackson. Uh, wanted to let you know, I think I could, I could be wrong, but you keep saying Prince Rogers Nelson. I think his name is Prince Nelson Rogers. I think somebody's wrong. Uh, Listen, Dave. Uh, Dave Jackson, thanks for calling. But listen, I I don't know what I was saying. I got to be honest with you. But I looked it up just to make sure we're all uh, right. It's Prince Rogers Nelson. According to Wikipedia, the the font of all knowledge, Prince, musician. Uh, Prince Rogers Nelson, born June 7th, 1958, better known as simply Prince, is an American singer, songwriter, musician, and actor, blah, 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 blah. And then it goes on from there, and I'm not going to read that because uh, we don't have that kind of time, do we? You really want to sit here, right, while I read Prince's bio off of uh, Wikipedia? I don't think so. So, I think I think I did mention, though, uh, you know, last time. And I don't remember when we spoke exactly. Either I was going to go to Prince or I had been to Prince, but I was too backed up with other stories. I don't think we talked about Prince. I mean, I think we talked about Prince, but I don't think we got into it, really, right? That we went to the show? Okay. Now, so we went to the show the Sunday of Memorial Day here in the United States, which was June uh, or May, uh, I don't know what, maybe 28th, something like that. But it can't really begin on June 28th. The story <clears throat> must begin. Let's let's just begin from the beginning, shall we? So, somewhere in the spring of 19... Uh, dare I say it? The dog has an itch. You all right there, Hugo? At some point in the spring of 1981... Jesus, dog. Can you knock it off with the scratching and the shaking? Are you okay? You're throwing off my rhythms. He's like, hey, he's got such a cute face. Okay, so sometime in the spring of 1981, one of the Jones sisters, and I, I think it was Marsha, but it could have been Arlene. I, I really don't remember. I'm pretty sure it was Marsha. Showed up at school, and I don't even remember exactly how this transpired. I just remember... The next thing I knew this spring of 1981 
One of the Jones, okay, let's say it was Marsha. Jones, I'm sorry, Arlene, if it was you. Let's just, we're going to, for argument's sake, we're just going to say it was Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. So, one of the Jones sisters, probably maybe Marsha, shows up at school one day and thrusts into my hands Prince's Dirty Mind album. Now, I did not go to a particularly uh, multiracial school, although maybe it was more multiracial than I realized at the time. Hold on, I got to turn off my phone. You know, er everything, right? Why does a phone have to interfere with recording equipment? Can you explain that to me, someone smart? I start to feel like we should just start over again. So listen, it's 1981, it's the spring, and Marsha Jones, maybe Arlene is there, and she's thrusting dirty mind into my hands. Now, a couple of things to realize. This was 1981, when you had to actually hand someone music. You had to physically be in the same space. And the only way to share music was to say, here, and hand them some physical object. Let's also keep in mind that this is 1981, so that physical object was a 12-inch by 12-inch square sleeve. And for those of you born in 1981, or hence, this is going to sound remarkable, get, get this. In the pre-digital age, you would, you would, you, let's say you want to loan someone dirty mind. And so what you have is this 12-inch piece of, uh, for, for argument's sake, plastic with grooves on it. And they would take it home and put it on this spinning turntable thing, kind of like the Lazy Susan you have in your kitchen for the spices. And it was mechanically set to spin at exactly 33 and one-third revolutions. Now, what the significance is, holy crow, of 33 and a third revolutions? 30, what is that, a third of 100% of the revolutions? I don't even, where do you come up with 33 to the third? I got to research this now. You would place upon this grooved circular plastic disc a needle. Now, this needle would be weighted. It would be on a stick and the stick would be weighted so it wouldn't be too heavy, wouldn't be too light. Depending on the, the complexity of your instrument, right, it could really be super like sexy weighted, right? So the thing is spinning around and around, and the needle goes on there. And then the needle is hooked up to some wires, and those wires come out of the spinning thing, and it goes into another thing to make the sound louder. And then the speakers, you have speakers, you know what speakers are. Your computer has speakers. And then what would come out would be your, you know, music. So Marsha, uh, maybe Arlene Jones, lends me Dirty Mind. Now, this was part of my uh, education in African-American culture. Uh, Marsha, maybe Arlene, had decided, uh, along with my friend at the time, uh, Terrence Darnell, that I should be educated in the culture that was the African-American experience. But not, the, you know, I mean, honestly, the African-American experience as it was experienced in Fairport High School in the 1980s, not exactly the inner city of Detroit, you know? I'm talking the African-American experience in a uh, middle to upper middle class uh, village along the Erie Canal. Okay. <laughs> uh -huh. 
But certainly not white culture. Certainly not the Captain and Tennille and Elton John like I was listening to at home with my mommy and daddy. Okay, Dirty Mind is not exactly muskrat love. So she, she hands me the record. And like I say, keep in mind, this is a 12-inch by 12-inch sleeve. It's a black and white photograph of what appears to be a man. A kind of Puerto Rican black, like, right, like, what's his name now? I'm, I'm completely Mooney. Mooney. What's your name, Mooney? I'm trying to steal a guy's bit and I can't think of his name to give him credit. Never mind, I won't say it. So listen, this apparently male person in panties, right? This, this slender male-like person in panties and a trench coat. And he might be wearing a bandana around his neck or whatever. He's got this little mustache, this pencil little wispy little mustache. Hey, not unlike my own at the time. And it's black and white and it's kind of sexy. It's kind of funky. It's kind of new wavy. It says Prince and Dirty Mind. But she just kind of gives me this look like, don't worry. You're going to like it. And I'm like, really? She's like, yeah. So here I am walking around school. With a 12-inch picture of a, right, a Black Rican guy. That's the, that was the, right, okay, that's not mine. Black Rican is not mine. But I can't think of the guy, I'm completely blanking. I just listened to this comedian for like a half an hour. I can't think of his name. Paul Mooney, thank you, okay. I'm so sorry, Mr. Mooney. So I take the record home. And you know, you have to shut your door. So I go upstairs, I go in my room, I shut my door, I put on the stereo, I get my thing there, right? The record's on it, it's spinning around at exactly 33 and one third revolutions per minute. And I drop the needle down and it goes, does its thing, right? That distinct vinyl thing. You know, that's not just a sample, kids. That's an actual sound of an actual needle, right? Going down, that that thing that you hear like in the hip hop records, that, ugh. So then the music starts and it's like, and it sounds like a Casio. And I'm like, this, you've got to be kidding. Are you, are we serious with this, Marsha? This is really going to be my life changing experience. Some guy from Minneapolis is playing. It sounds like a demo recorded on a cassette on a Casio. Down at the mall, some guy went to the musical instruments store and didn't even play the real instruments. He's, he's on like a $100 Casio. But then, then he starts singing. There's something about you, baby. Happens all the time. Whenever I'm around you, baby, got a dirty mind. And I'm like, wait a minute. I think this guy, wait a minute, what? Doesn't matter where we are, doesn't matter who's around, all I want to do is lay it down. And I'm like, this guy gets me. This guy gets me because that's exactly how I feel when I'm with chicks, man. Whenever I'm around you, baby, it happens all the time. I got a dirty mind. I don't care where we are. That's it. This dude is a genius. So I listen to Dirty Mind. And I listened to Dirty Mind. I listened to the entire record. 
Oh, and there's some sick. And you got, and again, let's put this into perspective. This is 1981. We didn't, right? Nobody swore on records until Easy e okay? Stuff was tame until NWA. So to hear, to go into your room and hear a guy singing about like having a dirty mind and having carnal knowledge of his own sister and fellatio and this and that and like racial harmony and having a party with racial harmony and, and uh, right? Lingus? Mind-blowing. I was like, Mar- I gave it back to her. I was like, Marsha, you were right. My black. And I spent the rest of that school year everywhere I went in my brain, no matter what I was supposed to be doing, was matter where we are, no matter who's around. Needless to say, I made damn sure I grew out that little mustache. My little prince, Rick James, featherweight, right? Next thing I knew, controversy came out. Right, he got a better Casio for that one. Little did I know, he's playing the drum, he's playing all the instruments, he's writing all the songs, he's singing all the, right, everything. Controversy, uh, Ronnie, talk to Russia, all this, and just like, blah, and that was it. Now, I was still listening to my, you know, my British New Wave and uh, my Stevie Wonder records and everything, but Prince just had this very unusual place. And when I went to college, I think is when 1999 came out and that just started to blow every, suddenly it was like the secret was out, right? 1999, a little red Corvette, then everybody was like, who's Prince? And then I went to college and I'm on my floor in college. I went to Syracuse University and I lived in Sadler Hall on the eighth floor, my freshman year of college. And on our floor was 80% of the African-American guys in the dorm. On our floor, like one wing was the girls, one wing was the guys. And then on our wing, the guy wing, one side of the hallway was all pretty much white guys and one black dude that lived alone, Keith. And then the other side was all these guys from like these African-American dudes from Queens or whatever, Brooklyn. Well, they weren't having any of the Prince. Prince, no. Prince, Prince was for right the little gay white guys like me and my roommate Art. The, the drama guys from the suburbs, was that was what Prince was for. They were in their, you know, they were, they, they were so far ahead of us, we didn't know what the hell was going on. They're rapping. They're ra- they, in, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, the guys on my floor, and I've said this before, the guys on my floor at Sadler Hall were rapping Aerosmith's Walk This Way in 1982, uh, 83. They did it long before Run DMC did it. I don't know if they got it. Maybe Run DMC was doing it back then, but I don't think so. The Run DMC record came out. It was the late, like, late, mid to late 80s. These guys were like, well, seriously. All right. Well, I was a big Prince fan then for a long time. And I'm talking... 1999. What do we got? We got controversy. We got 1999. What was after that? Sign of the Times? No. Oh my gosh. No, I just skipped like four records. 
Because then there was that period when I was, um, you know, at the, radio, at the college radio station. Well, in that, in that t- tiny period alone, I think he brought out like three records. Parade, Around the World in a Day. What else? And then Sign of the Times. Sign of the Times just blew everybody's mind again. That was just like, we don't know what to do with you anymore. They started giving a movie deal, right? He made Purple Rain. Oh, God, I skipped over Purple Rain. How can you skip over Purple Rain? No, keep in mind, Prince is a guy who at that time in the mid-80s was so prolific, he had to hire other people to play some of his other music. He had so much stuff pouring out of him. He had to create the time and Vanity Six. And he, uh, I mean, seriously, for a while he had a jazz group called Madhouse. You probably never even heard of, right? I mean, let's not lose track, right? The time is just, is Prince. Vanity Six is Prince. He was right. He was giving songs to Sheena Easton, to the Bangles, to this, to that. Oh, he created the family. That was Prince. That was all Prince. Prince, one guy, was like four different groups. So, yeah, so he put out Parade, Around the World in the Day, Purple Rain. Now, this is all just while I'm in college. Plus, the family album, a Vanity Six album, two or three uh, 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 time albums. Plus, they did Purple Rain, the movie. Uh, w- Under the Cherry Moon, the movie. Sign of the Times, the uh, uh, home movie video concert thing. And then after that, it just kind of went on and on and on through Batman and through Diamonds and Pearls and all that. But eventually, like all good things, oh my God, enough. And you'll find, no matter how brilliant your heroes are, no matter who they are, and my heroes were Prince, you know, right? Elvis Costello. Maybe a couple other bands really into like Squeeze and XTC and I'm sure people that are not coming to mind right now. Eventually we all get older. The audience gets older and the band or the musician, the artist gets older. And the audience starts to mellow and the musician starts to mellow. But what happens is the musician keeps on mellowing and the audience gets nostalgic. So the artist keeps on putting out material, but the audience keeps going backwards. And that causes some problems, particularly when it comes to record sales. All of the bands that I used to like, the minute they came out with a record, I was there. Right now, seriously, I don't care. I've stopped listening to new material by all my old heroes. Why? Because they're middle-aged now and I don't want to hear it. You've done that song 30 times and it wasn't even during the height of your career. So I just keep going back to the first, second album, first, second album, first, second album, third, fourth album, maybe that midpoint period where they were doing their Sgt. Pepper, whatever that was, their Imperial Bedroom, their Sweets from a Stranger, their uh, uh, Skylarking, their Sign of the Times, whatever that was. So a month ago, or whenever that was, I got to tell you, I was pretty shocked when my wife called me and said, I got tickets to see Prince. Now, I knew Prince was in town. We saw Prince a couple years ago. I mean, I like Prince, but 
It's it's 2011. Listen, hey, if it was 1986, and my right my then girlfriend said to me, "Hey, let's go see Prince," I would have said, "When, baby? Let's do it." But this is 2011, and my now wife of 15 some odd years, whatever the hell it's been, don't do that math. Calls and says, "I I just bought an inordinate. I just spent an inordinate amount of money on Prince tickets." They're like, "Really?" Because, because, honey, remember when I bought you his last three albums? And remember how you said, hey, baby, next time could you not? Remember that? Remember when I got you Planet Earth or whatever the hell that was? And the one that's like MLP sound, whatever. And the Lotus Blossom Gin thing, whatever. I Like you just write, you looked me dead, didn't you? Wasn't that you, honey? I love you, baby. But weren't you the one that looked me dead in the eye and said, stop? If you could just download the greatest hits and put it on my phone or on my iPod for when I go running, that would be awesome. But seriously, with the new, right, enough. And she's like, yeah, but it's Prince and it's Prince, whatever. Now, put, right, put my marriage into perspective now. My wife, and I don't remember where she was when we met as far as Prince goes, but my wife is a huge Prince fan. And of course, when I say huge Prince fan, I mean, you know, 1999 to... Uh, diamonds and pearls, let's say. And babies, we've got them all. We've got crystal ball. We've got that three disc thing where the third disc is the B sides. She's always in my hair. Like all we've, trust me, trust me, homie. And my wife has made it very clear on several occasions that she would throw everything we have away for Prince. She has made the... Now, keep him... For those of you who don't know my wife personally, like, all you only know her from me complaining about her, my wife is a very smart and level-headed woman. She is very realistic and pragmatic. So this isn't just some, like, goofy broad who's like, oh, I'd so leave your ass for Prince. Like, it's not like that. It's like a real woman, a real serious woman, right? Like a serious drop-dead A-list thinking person looks you in the eye and goes, no, 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 but seriously, I would leave your ass. For, I'm just saying. Listen, I'm not proud of it, but I would leave you for Prince. I'm just, right? So she says she got tickets, and she told me how much she spent, and I'm not going to say it because it will make me gag. Because when I'm spending that kind of money, I like to buy things like um, equipment. That pl- like, right for that kind of money, I want it to plug into a wall, maybe show TV shows or play movies or like something. Record these sh- I, right for that kind of really. Okay, honey. Not in her defense. This was her argument, Dan. We never do this ever, ever. And I say, you're right. And she says, the last time we did this, something anywhere remotely like this. I mean, we don't, she and I don't even go see movies anymore. The last time we did anything remotely like this, Dan, was when? Um, okay. Um, let me see. Last time we saw Prince. Exactly. So, okay, there we go. But she says, baby, I got decent seats. It's not worth going unless we have decent seats. We got decent seats and we're going. And that's it. And we're going and we're going and you're going. So we're going. 
And I say, okay, when is it? And she says, she tells me when it's Sunday, the such and such or whatever, whatever. Oh, okay, great. Well, we got to get a babysitter. So we never know who to get as a babysitter. Now, maybe where you live, there's a plethora of uh, like mature yet teenage girls that you can just hire to come over for eight bucks an hour or whatever it is, 10 bucks, I don't know. We just don't, for whatever reason, just don't have that. And then whoever we do have to come babysit, and I don't even remember who it used to be, like for some, somehow they leave our lives. And and it's not like they get sick of us and start, like they go to law school or they move out of the city or they do, like they, they make some life change that we're like, but can you still watch our kid? No, no, that would be uncool. So there was a teenage girl who we know from because we shop at their parents' little market. And then my wife said, um, but there's also a young woman that works at the place that does the color, you know, does like the photo retouching for her ads. You know, my wife does ads, you know. So she's like, oh, I know this woman. Um, You you know, what's her name? Um, Cindy. Cindy from uh, such and such color could maybe do it, the retoucher. And I'm like, really? Cindy? And she's like, yeah, the tall one? She goes, yeah, but she might be busy or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, you know what else? She might be stoned. Isn't she? Really, Cindy? The one? Is she the one that she always goes, oh, Cindy, she's always baked. Right? Is that, that is the one, right? So let me get this straight. You want Cindy, the baked one, to come and watch the kids? Could Really? Hudson's 12. I mean, can't we just, like, wouldn't 12-year-old Hudson alone? Might even be better than Cindy baked here. But Cindy was actually looking like the best option there for a while. Like, really? Okay. Well, but then my wife realizes that Cindy's only saying she'll do it because of their work relationship and because Melissa is a client of this retoucher, right? They, the retouchers like, you got to, Cindy, you got to go, right? You got to babysit because we need the business. You know what I mean? That woman is BMW. So finally, Melissa says, Cindy, be honest with me here. Do you, are you really available or are you not available? Do you want to do this? And Cindy's like, no, I don't want to do it. She's like, okay. So then I have to go to the market to hook up with the teenage girl. Not hook up. You know, that, that's a term we used to use before you made it sick. I have to go to the market in order to speak to the mother of the teenage girl so I can get that set up. So I go over there and I say, hey, can teenage daughter uh, babysit? And the mother's like, yaha, because she's going to college and yaha, she needs the money. So she'll be there. I'm like, okay, well, can you ask her if she's available? She's like, no, she'll be there. I'm like, okay. Could you ever call me? Like, yeah, but she's going to be there. So we keep missing each other. So finally, we exchange enough messages where I have confirmation. I can tell my wife to calm down because we have commitment. Teenage girl is going to watch the kids while we are at the print show, which is Sunday at 730. So please be here at 6. And we're going to do this and we're going to get in a pizza. The kids can eat some pizza. Oh, wait, that's right. No, our daughter's not going to be there. It's actually just going to be Hudson. Now that I say this, I forgot. Because our daughter's going to be at a sleepover at her friend's house. At Tay-Tay's house. 
So she's going to sleep over at Tay Tay's, which is awesome. Because that means really, then teenage girl and Hudson can just hang out and watch PG-13 stuff, right? And have fun. Great. So, how does this go? Well, a couple things happen. Number one, so Melissa, my wife, is picking up our daughter, Tulu, at her dancing. She's, she's in this dancing thing. We'll see how that goes. There, there's a rumor going around that my daughter is some kind of dancing prodigy now. So she used to be a karate prodigy, and now she's a dancing prodigy. So we're going to see how that works out. So she's at this dancing thing. And, and while Melissa is there picking her up, one of the other girls is being picked up. And it's the daughter of our friend Paul. And Paul's there and he's like, oh, hey, what's going on? How you doing? Whatever. And they're like, oh, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, no. They're like, oh, I'm going to see you. Um, how does this go? I'm going to see you on Sunday when we're because everyone's going to kind of hang around when we're dropping the girls off at Tay Tay's house. Okay. And Paul says, oh, yeah, so we'll see you over at uh, Tay Tay's. You guys are going to hang around, right? Because we were supposed to do it a couple weeks ago, but Tay Tay was sick. So, so Paul says, hey, you're going to hang around Tay Tay's, right? And Melissa's like, oh, we can't really hang around Tay Tay's because we're going to see Prince. And Paul goes, oh, don't tell my wife. Please don't tell my wife that you're going to see Prince. And Melissa's like, why? Says, because she loves Prince. And I went last time and it was three hours of Prince. And you know what? Paul says, I don't think I need three hours of Prince. And you know, he's very small. And my wife's like, really? You're getting hung up on his size and the length of his concerts? You clearly don't get the Prince thing. So Paul makes Melissa promise, please, please promise you will not mention to my wife until it is too late that you're going to see Prince because I can't do it. So, everything is set up. The teenager is going to come over at six. So, we're going to take Tulu, our daughter, over to Tay Tay's house at five. This is tight. I know. This is, listen, you don't make the schedule. The schedule makes you, right? So, we're going to take Tulu, our daughter, to Tay Tay's house. We're going to hang out at Tay Tay's house till five of six, at which time we're going to return to the house without Tulu, our daughter. We're going to, uh, a pizza is going to be delivered at 6 p.m. At the same time, the teenage girl shows up at the house. The teenager and Hudson are going to eat some of the pizza. I guess I am too with my wife. Then wifey Pooh and I are going to go see Prince. Um, I'm going to bring some peanuts because I need to eat more often than right if he's going to do a three hour show. I'm going to have to eat at some point in there. So I'll bring my little peanuts, right? My little survival kit and yada, yada, yada. And then the next, you know, we'll come home and then well, a teenage girl will go home. And then the next day we'll go get Tulu, a Tay-Tay's. It'll all be great. Not a word to Paul or his wife. So we go, it's all working out wonderfully. And then we go over to Tay-Tay's. And... We're trying to be cool about the whole thing, right? About what we're doing. Because we know Paul's going to walk in at any moment and he might be with his wife and we don't want to say, ah, we're going to sleep, right? We wanna be, we're trying to be cool about it. So Paul walks in with his wife and his wife is wearing a purple dress. But we don't say anything. And it turns out 
So we're like, hey, so so she comes in. She's like, hey, you guys, you're going to Prince too? I'm like, oh, thank God, Paul. Thank God. Because there was no way, man. There was no way that she was never going to find out. And there's been billboards up for two months, man. You, it's the last night. You, you seriously, dude, you just, right? You are the man. Because this is a man who doesn't feel he needs three hours of Prince. And he doesn't want to see a, a diminutive performer. Doing three hours of Prince music, but you know what? He loves that woman. And he bellied up to the bar and he, right? He got those tickets and he gave them to her and she's now in her purple dress and heels and she's going to Prince. So then we're all talking about Prince and Prince and there was another guy there that was going to go, I guess, with some Chiquita, but oh, it didn't work out or whatever. So everybody starts talking about how they know someone that went before. See, we're going on the last night of what was reportedly a 21-night engagement at the Forum. Now, this is LA. Obviously, it's a big city. What are we, like the second biggest city or whatever in the planet or something? Apparently, Prince, who hasn't really had a major hit in 20 years, can fill the LA Forum for 21 nights. So everybody in L.A. knows somebody that's gone to see Prince at least once. So we're all talking about Prince and everybody keeps saying, oh, yeah, it's great. The show's going to be great. It's different guest performers that come out every night and everything. The opening act is going to be great. But listen, he doesn't start till around nine and he plays for over three hours. And we're like, well, wait a minute. Nine plus three is midnight. We're probably not going to get home till one, but if he plays like all these encores, because three hours, does that mean three hours of playing time or three hours of actual time? We might not be, they're like, oh no, you're not going to be back till two. And we keep thinking, but we have a babysitter. And they're like, yeah. And we're like, but she's uh, 18 and she's just graduated high school and her parents are very protective and they're going to want to pick her up. They're not going to go two o'clock. Two o'clock? And they're like, yeah, two o'clock, dude. Now, it's already 5.30. Teenage girl is going to come to our house at six. So I call teenage girl. I'm like, hey, teenage girl, listen, um, this event we're going to tonight, uh, we may not be back till like, you know, one or two. So she says, oh, Okay, I better ask my mom if that's okay. Because again, she's 18, right? She's of a generation of her family where they're still very protective. I get it. I know her mother. I get it. We're friends. Her mother and I are friends. So it's not, I, this is all normal. I get it and I get it. So she calls me back. She's like, well, my mom isn't really comfortable with me being out until one or two because it's one of those things where and I remember when I was a kid, my parents would say, you know, Dan, you come home whenever you feel is reasonable or whatever. They, they put that on me. Like, they wouldn't give me a curfew. They'd just go, you know what's reasonable. And I'm like, damn it. Nothing to rebel against, right? But then whenever I got home, my mom would just happen to still be awake reading. So I got it. The, her mom, because they, they own this market, her mom had to be up at three to go to the market to get the produce. So she didn't want to stay up until two waiting for the daughter to get home safely and then go to work an hour later for the... I get it. 
Now, meanwhile, Tay-Tay's parents, and they're good friends of ours, and they're awesome. You would love them. Tay-Tay's parents say, why doesn't Hudson just stay here? And we're like, no, because you're having a slumber party with a dozen eight-year-olds. Can we really do that to our, like, preteen son? Really? And then everybody starts laying the 2 p.m. thing on us, and then teenage girls like, uh-uh, and we're like, hey, how about that slumber party? Hey, what if I, you know, what if he did? Wouldn't that be crazy? Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be nutty? Hudson, please, man, please save me. Your mom wants to go see Prince, brother. You've got to stay at Tay-Tay's house. You can hide in her little brother's room. He's not going to be there. It'll be awesome. Please just, you go with me. So at six o'clock, instead of going home to meet the teenager and, and right, Hudson and I leave Tay-Tay's house. We leave Melissa there. We go back to our house. There's the pizza guy. We pay for the pizza. We sit down. We eat the pizza. Screw it. We eat the pizza. But now I got to get him a, a sleeping bag and PJs and a change of clothes and this and that and all this stuff that we hadn't really planned on. So we go back to Tay-Tay's. We drop off Hudson. And I'm like, okay, we got to we gotta go. And everybody's like, ah, we're having fun. And I'm like, okay, we got to go. And everybody's like, ah, we're having fun. I'm like, yeah, I know, but we're going to see Prince, right? Didn't we pay for these tickets? <laughs> so we finally, Melissa and I drag ourselves out of there. So we're driving to the forum and we're in traffic. I mean, he sold that place out. It was, again, the last night. It was Sunday of Labor Day or a Memorial Day weekend. So we park in the forum. And yeah, we have to sit there in the line. Right? So we go into the forum. We, we, have our, we have our tickets. We show our tickets. We go in to the main thing. And as we're waiting to show the guy our tickets, there's this other guy, this annoyingly loud French guy with no really bad teeth. And he's going, if you have a camera, you cannot bring a camera into this forum. You cannot bring a camera. If you have a camera, you must take it back to your car. No camera. There'll be no camera. So everybody's showing their bags, not for explosives and knives and gun. No, 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 no. For cameras. And they're not taking anything from anyone. And my wife and I look at each other like, this is 2011. Every mofo in this place right now, I guarantee you, has a phone that will take cameras, you dumbasses. I mean, really, come on. It's 2011. I think we need, right? I think what you're saying is you can't have a decent lens. I think that's what this is really about. It's not that you can't have a camera. Trust me, baby. We all have cameras. You just can't. We don't want you taking an actual good picture. You can take crappy pictures and horrible video with your iPhone at 720p. Yeah, you can take a high definition shot from your crappy seat with the crappy iPhone. But if you come in here with one of those like big Canon sized lenses, no, 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 no. Listen, Prince is in there trying to sell $85 tambourines. There's no way that you're going to right, make your own shot. It's not happening. So we go in. So now we're in, but we think we might have to wait in another line. So we're waiting in this big line for luckily just a split second. Thank goodness. Because this one guy comes up, this really tall guy. is like... Are you waiting in line for the men's room? And we're like, no. And he said, this is the line for the men's room. And I think he's joking because 
the line is 500 feet long. And I look, and he's right. It's all guys. It's all guys kind of with that anxious dancing look on there like, wow, this is the line for the freaking men's room. So we go in and we get our seats. We're in Loge 11, I think it is. I don't know what a Loge is, but we were in the 11th one. And my wife says, hey, now, did you get enough to eat? And I say, yeah, you know, I mean, I ate a bunch of that pizza. And she says, really, was that a good idea? And I say, no. Because, I, you know, if I eat too much pizza, I get a little crazy and then I get a little sleepy. So she says, well, at least you brought your peanuts, right? Because I've been talking about bringing my peanuts and I was joking about it at Tay Tay's house. And of course, that was one of the reasons I went back to the house was to get the peanuts. But I was too busy eating and getting a sleeping bag to get the peanuts and I don't have any peanuts. You know what I do have, though? I do have a bludgeon, a, a burgeoning. Is that the word I'm looking for? Bur- burgeoning, burgeoning, blooming. I have what? seems to be uh, a good hold on the development of a tiny little migraine that I'm sure will blossom into a full-grown grand mall right about the time Prince comes out and starts playing Let's Go Crazy. So Melissa says, well, maybe you should go out and see if you can find some snack or something, something to eat. And I'm like, you know, you're right. I think that's fine. That's a great idea. And I go out of Loge 11. Because I think I'm going to find something to eat. Because, see, I think that I'm at like an airport or something where I'm going to go out of the terminal and take a left and there's going to be a McDonald's and a Starbucks and uh, maybe a Hudson News where I can get a magazine and some trail mix. But what is up there really is 30,000 people in varying degrees of purple zoot suits. And some people selling what must be solidified grease on a bun and beer. Now, clearly, there's a reason that the L.A. Forum is called the L.A. Forum and not the Home Depot Center, the Staples Center, right? Everything is now the such and such center, right? The Carrier Dome. Everything has got, right, but it's just the LA Forum. It's just the, right? You know why it's called the LA Forum? Because it's owned by a church or something and they didn't sell it to a big corporation that would have come in and gutted the place in the concession area and sold that space to McDonald's. So it is like old school, greasy ass, I don't know what they're selling, and beer. And a lot of women with high, high heels that can barely walk in high, high heels. So there's no way I'm, first of all, there's no way I'm standing in one of these lines. And second of all, even if I got to the top of the line, there's no way I would eat whatever it is that they're selling. So guess what? I'm just going to have to, I don't know what, not eat anything. And that's fine. Whatever. I'll survive. But you know what I'll do before the show? I'm going to go take a whiz. So I got to find the men's room. So it's got to be either to my left or to my right because I'm in a fairly contained area. And I can only, I can see that you can only really go so far to the left or so far to the right before you're 
done and you got to go to a whole different area. So you would assume that contained in this unit, this aerial unit, would be a lavatory for the boys and a lavatory for the girls. So I go to the right and I, uh, I see the ladies' room with its line, obviously. Now, I know there's got to be a men's room because I saw the line and it's going to be hell, but that was the one way outside when we first got in. That wasn't the one inside where I was now. And, you know, the ladies' room always has a line no matter where you go. That's not a, right? So I go to the left and I find the other ladies' room. Now, the other ladies' room has a men's room sign on it with then some tape on it over the men that says women. So I'm like, right. So, wait a minute. Okay, because then beyond that, the men's ladies' room is the end. There's the $85 tambourines and the t-shirts and the program, and then there's a wall. And they exit doors. So, okay, I must have... Okay, hold on. This is defying logic. So, hmm. Hmm. I'm going to go back to the right. So I go back to the right. I go back past the tambourines, past the women's men's room, past Luge 11 and the grease sausage thing, whatever the heck that was. And I find the other ladies' room, and then I keep going, and then there's the other wall, the right wall. And I'm like, okay, this is crazy. So I, f- I find the guest relation. There's actually a guest relations booth. I'm like, hi, hey, um, listen. I'm sure I walked right by it. Okay. But, um... Where's the, you know, men's room? And the lady says, it's outside. And I say, what do you mean? And she says, you go out that way. And she points to the left past the men's ladies room. And then she says, okay, you see those doors? You got to go out those doors and then keep going. And then there's some porta potties. And I say, let me get this straight. I'm in the LA Forum that seats a, a stadium's worth of people. And the guys have to go in outhouses? Outside? Why does this have to be hell on earth? Really? Back in the old days when the Lakers used to play here, whoever the hell used to play here that made it worth building this place? When this place was full of basketball, fa- did they have to pee outside too? Did no one count the seats when they were built? Like, what went wrong and when? And frankly, why do all these people have to pee? We just got here. Unless, right? I mean, right by this point, I'll admit it. It's 7, 8, maybe 8 o'clock, 8, 30, 8, 15. When did these people get here? The doors didn't open. The doors opened at 6.30. The show wasn't even supposed to start till 7.30. Why are they already here having to pee? I know. Let's go to the forum. We'll go two hours before the show and get hammered on expensive, horrible beer in a cup. We'll pee. We'll show off our zoot suits and our high heels. Buy a tambourine. Then we'll see the show. All right, so now I have to not pee, not eat, 
and survive three hours of prints that will reportedly begin at 9 or 9.30. I don't know. Now, all I, what I really want, what would really be awesome? See, because it's, again, it's LA, right? And in LA, anything is possible. And they keep, people keep saying, oh yeah. And if, you know, if there's a, like a famous singer in the audience or whatever, and Prince knows, you know, they bring him up on the, on the stage. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Anything can happen in LA. Like who's, who's going to be the opening act? What if the time, now I love the time, right? What if the time, you know what I mean, the time, Jungle Love and the Bird, they were in Purple Rain, the time, more stay, more stay in the time. Jerome, what time is it, right? What if the time was the opening act? Oh my gosh. If we go and see Prince and time is the, right? The time, what time is it? Oh God, I don't know. That would, ah, that would be so awesome. And I saw on YouTube that at some point in the, sh- in the run, I think it was here in L.A., Stevie Wonder came in. He came in, he came out, they had Stevie, Stevie's on stage, and he's playing, I don't know, Superstition or something, and Prince is on the guitar, it was Stevie Wonder. And now Stevie Wonder comes out, and I even say this to my wife, I'm like, baby, seriously, I don't want to warn you. If Stevie Wonder comes out, I will be dying. Okay. If Stevie Wonder and Prince are on that stage, I will probably leave this mortal coil. I'm hoping that the time opens up. That would be awesome. Stevie, Steve Land, Seventh Wonder of the World, whatever, uh, dead. Well, the lights go down. And we're kind of relieved because like, it does turn out that we did not miss the opening act. Now, when we saw Prince before, we went with my wife's coworker and some former coworker. And we all went to eat and whenever, and we show up and we're walking around. I t- maybe I told you this before. And we're going to our seats and there's some loud music playing in the Staples Center. And the guy we're with, Bob's like, oh yeah, that's not the opening act. He, he'd been there before. Oh, that's not the opening act. That, they're just piping that in. I'm like, really? And like, yeah. And we peek our heads in and on the stage is Sheila E. And she's going, glamorous life is not, good night. And everybody's like, Sheila And we're like, that was Sheila E. That wasn't piped in. That was Sheila E. Playing the Glamour's Life, playing on her drums, going, Glamour's Life. And then, you know what we saw, Bob? Good night. <sighs> so I was determined to see the opening. So the, the lights go down. And there's big video, cam- uh, big, uh, video screens all around and above the stage. Because he's kind of playing in the round. Now, the stage is that Prince symbol-shaped stage. You know the symbol that he was for there for a while when he was the artist formerly known as Prince? He has his symbol, right? That's the stage shape. But no one's on the stage. But on the screen, there's these three women suddenly. These three, uh, you know, lovely-looking African-American women little uh, zoftik, as, uh, right, the Hebrew, Hebrews might say. And they start singing. One of them's playing a keyboard. I'm like, where, where is this? Is the opening act like a, on videotape? Because there's no one on the stage. And then we look around and we figure out that actually these women are about 20 feet to my right in one of the little hallways 
that would come into like, you know, Luge 10. They've got a hallway, right, that you would come in to get to your seat, but they blocked it off and the women are in there. And they're all backlit and lit and the cameras are on them and they're playing their little song. And it's a mellow little song and they're just la, 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 la. And you're like, oh, these, I can see these guys uh, opening for Prince, but this is kind of mellow. I hope they, right, this is just the introduction to the song and now, and then these three are just going to kick it. Because this is going to be a party. We're going to party like it's 1999. And they keep singing. They're just really relaxing. Like, like, come on, girls. We got to do this thing. No, man. You're not Morris Day, but you got to be. You are not, right? You have, right? You're not being Morris Day. You've got to pick it up. So they finished their first song. We all like. I and we're king. Oh, I get it. Okay, prince, king, king. Pr- okay, cool. Whatever. Here's our next song, and it's called. Uh, sounds exactly like the first song. Keyboards, and I'm like, oh my god, you got to be kidding. And then they start showing some video to go with the music, and it was very kind of like late '80s, early '90s pre-grunge uh, cardboard cutout. Uh, you know, like not quite psychedelic. Uh, if you saw it, you'd be like, oh my gosh, that's, yeah, September of 1989. Absolutely. That's slightly post De La Soul, pre Jellyfish. Yeah, I get it. So they sit, they do three songs. I swear to God, they were the same song. They just kept stopping. And they sound great, but it's just like, this is not how you open a Prince show. This is boring. I'm sure they're very lovely women. They're very clearly very talented. They, sung, they sing, sang, sung like little angels. But not before Prince. I want, right? I want Morris Day and the time. Give me something. So they they go, you know, they they don't go. I mean, they just turn the lights off in the entrance to Luge 10. And they bring up the lights and we're like, hey, wow, that, this is going to be great. I'm so glad we paid so much money for these stinking tickets. I'm going to take a nap. Wake me when Prince comes on. Because now we're not expecting Prince for a while, right? Because the opening act, and then there's going to be a break, and then the, the lights are going down and there's Prince. So the, the, there's a band, the band, the band is coming out and there's Prince. He's being le- lifted up through, you know, we've got like one of those under the stage elevator things. Everybody's got to have those now, don't they? And he's coming up like he's rising like a phoenix from the depths of hell um, up onto the stage. And he takes the microphone and he starts singing a song. And I've been listening to Prince now since 1982. And I do not know the song he is singing. And it's a mellow song. And I'm like, honey, I swear if this is how the night is going to go with King and now him. And he's singing a song like, if I ever I mean, I can't even sing because it was so high and gentle. It's like, I'm Prince and I'm singing high and gentle. And everybody's sitting there like, <laughs> So he ends that song. 
And I say to myself, okay, if this next song is not some sort of up-tempo, classic Prince party anthem, I will, and I'm not idly threatening this, this isn't a threat, this is just my prediction, I will lose consciousness because this is boring. I am claustrophobic, I am underfed and full of urine by now, and Prince is trying to lull me to sleep. Unless he's trying to get me to wet my pants, he might as well just put my fingers in a bowl of warm beer. This is going nowhere. I don't recall what the next song was. But I will tell you this, and I'm sure if you look online, you can find out what song it was. Los Angeles Forum, Sunday, the 28th of May. I, I, I can't say what song it was, but I will tell you this. Prince rocked the house nonstop for about an hour and a half or two hours after that. It was the slowest, most meandering buildup I had ever seen to the most awesome party I'd ever been to. He never again played a song that not everyone in the world knew every word to. He played with such passion and joy, knowing. I mean, it was the greatest thing. It's just like, listen, I got, I got hits. I got hits on top of hits. We're going to play them all here tonight. LA, this is it. Da, da, da. And he, he, song after song, you name it, he played. He'd, play, he'd pull out a couple songs he wouldn't even expect, like the beautiful ones. Do you remember the beautiful ones from Purple Rain? Do you remember Purple Rain? The beautiful ones is when, uh, what's her name? Abalonia is going on, going out with Morris now. And he's at the club with Morris. She's at the club with Morris. And the kid is on stage. And it's the song, baby, 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 what's it going to be? Baby, baby, is it going to be him or is it me? Right? And it's just like piano. It's this really mellow song. But at the end, he's like, do you want him or do you want me? Because I want you. And that song makes me cry. The Beautiful Ones makes me cry. It has made me cry since 1985, 1984. And it makes me cry now. And Prince is up there and he did the entire song. Note for note. Word for word. Do you want him? Do you want me? Because I want you. And I'm like, whoa, Prince, I love you. Take my wife. So then, just to blow my mind, just to mess with me, they start playing Cool. By the time. And Prince is on the microphone and Prince goes in that Prince voice. I can't do a Prince voice. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce the second funkiest man in the world after me. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's going to be more stay in the time. Really? Second funkiest after you? More stay? Okay. And 
And I'm like, yeah, Morris Day is going to come out and Jerome is going to come out. And I know Jerome, man. I met Jerome at Kinko's. Morris Day and Jerome are going to come out. And maybe, right, maybe uh, Jelly Bean will come out, right? Maybe Mary, maybe Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis will come out. It'll be the time. It's like, ladies and gentlemen, the second fuckiest man in the world, Maceo Parker. Now, Maceo Parker is not Morris Day. And I wanted him to say Morris Day because I've never seen Morris Day. I like Morris Day. So when he says Maceo Parker, my brain goes, aw, it's not Morris Day. But then my brain goes, holy crap, it's Maceo Parker. So Maceo Parker comes out. Now, I don't know how old Maceo Parker is. The guy's got to be 65 or 70 years old. He comes out. He is looking good. He's in this beautiful black suit, and he looks like he's just fit as a fiddle. And he comes out. Now, Maceo Parker, if you don't know, is the, arguably the funk jazz uh, uh, saxophone player. Funk jazz, right? Like, if you listen to a James Brown record, okay, you're listening to a James Brown record and James Brown goes, Maceo, huh? That's Maceo Parker. I think there's even Rick James records where you're like, Rick James, like, give it to me, baby. Maceo, play, huh? And it's Maceo Parker. Maceo Parker is like royalty. Sax, funk, ass royalty. Maceo Parker comes out and plays the skin off of cool. Just like, like he's 25, but he's not 25. He's 70. So he's got the skill of a guy who's been doing it for a half a century, but he's got the energy of a guy in his prime. And he's just, I don't know what he's doing. I can't see his fingers. All I can see is there's tension in his cheeks and he's just wandering around the stage. And I'm like, oh, this guy is immortal. I don't get how he is. And Prince is just standing there like, I got God on stage with me. So Maceo stays on stage and just like plays. He's there for the whole show. Prince and Maceo Parker and the two hottest twins I've ever seen. So basically what happens is, so he brings on Maceo. And then out of the elevator comes these two twins. And they pretend to play guitar, I think, as something for one of the songs. Maybe they were at the beginning in the mellow song and they were just trying to play. But there's something about two twins that look like they were crafted out of, uh, I don't know what, ivory by a French pedophile or something uh, with a thing for Barbie doll. I, I don't know what, I don't know. They've got these like French little bobbed haircuts and they're, asses have never known gravity i mean it's just was unbelievable so they're dancing these great dances and maceo's just like and i don't know what song it's just like song after song is every awesome prince song that you've ever imagined no more of this mellow crap that you've never heard of he's not trying to sell any new record nothing from planet earth or lmp 
PG sound or Lotus Blossom, whatever the hell that was. Nothing. Just little red Corvette. Wait, did he do little red Corvette? I don't know. He did Controversy in 1999 and Let's Go Crazy and he did Cool and then he, he does another set of stuff by the time. He did Jungle Love and The Bird and we're all dancing. Whoop! Hallelujah! Oh! Sick. Sick, sick, sick. So he goes, that's the end of the show, and good night. And everybody's like, <sighs> for 10 minutes, we're all just like, <sighs> so then he comes out and does more songs, and here's Maceo, and they're just doing it, and they're doing it, and they're playing all this, and they're like, oh my God, I forgot about that song. I was so. Uh, Prince drunk by the other songs and by the time songs and all the other songs. I didn't. I completely forgot about that whole album. And now you're doing all that stuff. Really? And then good night. And we're like, <sighs> for another ten minutes. <sighs> and he comes back out and they're playing more songs and they're bringing hot chicks out of the audience and Nick Acosta. And I'm trying to explain to my wife who Nick Acosta is. The truth is, I don't even remember who Nick Acosta is. I'm like, really, Nick Acosta? You could. We're in L.A., man. You couldn't get like anybody you wanted. But it's Nick Acosta. Okay, whatever. She had a hit. Uh, kind of. Really? Beyonce was in the town like somebody, right? You couldn't get, really? Janet? J-Lo? You could have got J-Lo in 10 seconds. She'd be, right? All right, it's Nick Acosta and hot chicks and everything. Some of those, and I got to tell you, in LA, in LA, there are hot chicks that train for these moments. Like, we're not in Cincinnati or Duluth right? Or Boise, where you bring up like a hot Boise chick and she's just like, <laughs> these are LA women. LA women are trained for their moment. They don't freak out and giggle. They just like, it was like Sir Strips a lot up there. These girls have been on the pole. And I maybe not a public pole, but they've been like privately pole training so this wasn't just like a bunch of girls at a bachelor party, like giggling into their fists. These, these girls are like, this is my moment. They're going to have a camera on my behind. I am doing this right. Sick. They're between two encores, right at the end, we're all doing the wave. We're like, no, 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 no. We're, that's it. We're going to, right? Until the roadies are packing up the drum kit, we are staying. We are staying. That's it. We are going nowhere. So I don't know. I mean, Prince has a lot of energy. I mean, he dances and he plays. He's got that this great guitar that he's playing. See, now that I know a little bit about guitars, like, I don't know what that is, man, but I got to look it up. It looks like a Telecaster, but it's not. It's some like custom-made Homner Anderson thing. I don't know. It's like gorgeous, like butternut, butternut colored thing it's got this like almost leopard tortoise shell pick guard with a leopard skin strap and he's playing it and then he throws it down off the stage to the roadies and the roadies are like don't throw it prince he's like i know you're gonna catch it and they catch it and he's playing that crap out of that thing so finally he says goodnight for the last time and this time he really means it this time he's not gonna it's not a 10 minute wait the roadies actually like lower the ropes the rope ladders they really actually, because sometimes they'll just come out and start playing with the chords. 
and dust the confetti off the drum kit and stuff like that. Like, you know, you just got to wait. But when the ladder comes down and they start literally walking away with pieces of equipment, then you're like, okay, it's time to go. Now, now it's time to leave. And everyone, not everyone, but the vast majority of everyone is still there and we're all trying to leave at the same time. Now, this is when it would have been a good time to take the advice of our friend, uh, Shalin. Now, our friend Shalin had been to the show a couple of times and she knows that area well. She lives kind of near there in a way. And she said, now guys, don't park at the forum. Park in my secret spot. And I will tell you where my secret spot is. And that's where you should park. Now, the secret spot is you go to the forum, but you go this way. And then you take a left and then you go around and then you park over there, kind of behind that thing there. Okay. And then from there, you just walk to the forum. And when we were approaching the forum and we were in a lot of traffic and we're looking around the neighborhood of the forum, let me, right? The forum is not exactly in a, a, the nice part of town. Okay? There's the nice part of town. It's in Inglewood, okay? There's the nice part of town. There's the really nice part of town. Then there's the not so nice part of town. And then there's where the forum is. See, the forum is near, uh, it's right, cozied up kind of between the cemetery and the racetrack. So as we're approaching the forum, we say to ourselves in our kind of best paranoid white person, we're going to be leaving this concert at one or two in the morning voice. Hey, you know, I don't know about Shalin's parking spot. <laughs> Somewhere in this right between the parking lot of the forum and the cemetery and the racetrack. Really? Really? At two in the morning, the two five foot seven tall uh, white people are going to walk back to their cars. Uh-huh. Right? Me, like, right? Trying to wipe the ganja smoke off my bifocals. That's what we're going to do, really? In our secret spot between the cemetery and the racetrack at two in the morning, we're going to go, uh-uh-uh-uh. Uh, uh. But see, but Shalin knows the area. She's done it many times. That's her, right? She knows that area, and she's... As she puts it, a black lady. Now, a black lady that knows the area maybe knows that you, right, it's perfectly normal to walk into the secret spot next to the cemetery, between the cemetery and the forum and the uh, racetrack. But I am small. See, she's a black lady with a big husband. I apparently, right, he's a very masculine, large man. I am a tiny little person, Right? God knows what happens to little, like, bald Woody Allen-looking idiots at two in the morning next to the cemetery in the hood. I don't know. I've seen Thriller. It's not pretty. But when you get out of the forum, and it is actually happening, and it's one in the morning or two in the morning, one in the morning, quarter of one, okay, and you're stuck in the parking lot of the forum 
and it's a madhouse in the parking lot of the forum, and then you look out of the forum towards the parking lot, and it's pretty much crickets over there. And you look down towards the racetrack, and it's pretty much crickets, and just nothing, and just like peacefulness. You should have parked in Shalin's secret spot between the cemetery and the racetrack behind the thing around the corner. Because nothing was going to happen, jackass. You paranoid little crepper. But I'll tell you what would have happened. No, this is what would have happened. My wife and I would have walked two blocks in the nice, fresh California air in the middle of the night. We would have had a lovely stroll past some manicured lawns and a beautiful old ornate brick entranceway to the cemetery. And then we would have taken a right and gone down the thing, kind of near the racetrack, but not really. And parked it and got in our car over near, uh, what, a CVS or something? Who knows? We never went over there. I have no idea where it is. We're like, uh, uh, uh. And we would have been home about 40 minutes earlier. So the next day, we got to go over to Tay-Tay's house to get the kids. And we're just praying that Hudson hasn't hung himself because he has, right, essentially been at an eight-year-old girl's sleepover. So we, you know, we go in. A lot of parents are there because it's pickup time, right? And we're like, where's Hudson? And we find Hudson and he just looks dazed. It's like, Dad, it was okay. Huh? Can we go... Now, please, I want to just sit in my room by myself and twiddle my toes. But he said, did mom like the show, dad? I'm like, yeah. Mom loved the show. The show was awesome, dude. And you know who I have to thank for that? Who, dad? You, buddy. Because you stayed at Tay-Tay's house with the girls. With a dozen eight-year-old crazy young women. Now let's go home. Let's go crazy. Let's get nuts. Let's look, Hudson, for the purple banana. Until they put us in the truck. Let's go. Let's go. All right, that was this purple edition of the bitterest pill. It's really embarrassing, actually. When I was young, I could name all the albums in order of any of my favorite artists. No problem. But I guess because that was 30 years ago, uh, 20 years ago, 25, 30, 20, 10, 9, 8, I can't, I, no, I can't list anything in order anymore. I mean, seriously, when you're trying to tell a story and you're trying to list Prince albums and you skip Purple Rain, you, you know that the mind is gone. Really, right? All right, well, thanks, uh, and thanks for Dave, uh, thanks to Dave Jackson of uh, podcasting, what is your thing, Dave? Podcasting? School of Podcasting? Yeah, School of Podcasting, something like that. I don't know. I'm lightheaded from talking so much. And as for the comedy thing, hey, I saw you at the podcast convention expo blog world thing many moons ago, and you were funny. So don't don't get so down on yourself with the comedy thing. 
Well, the first time I rode a bike, I skinned my knees. And I know this is the second time you rode the bike, but uh, you'll be fine. So just hang in there and don't freak out. Breathe. That's the other thing I was going to say. Just breathe. Because when you don't breathe, you rob oxygen to your brain, which makes you forget the stuff you want to remember. I know this because I had test anxiety, and maybe you have comedy anxiety. And uh, so just breathe. It will be good. So, okay. Uh, for, thanks to Dave for calling, and he called me at 888-315-5753. There's something about you, baby. I don't understand. That's not how it goes. Anyway, listen, thanks for listening. Not sure what we're going to talk about next time. And uh, don't forget, too, uh, the new f- uh, free shows are coming out on a weekly basis. So check those out. Uh, just search The Bitter's Pill at iTunes. Probably the easiest way. Uh, I think the last one was called Please Don't Break. Is that the one where I had to take my daughter to the hospital? In the middle of the night? I think so. Anyway. All right. Thanks for tuning in, so to speak, to The Bitter's Pill. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. The Bitter's Pill is produced by Jacket Media, makers of fine podcasts since 2004.